Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. There is a word in the Christian faith that is revolutionary, and it's revolutionary in large part because it goes against every human instinct that wants to tally what we believe we deserve in life or count what we think we have earned in life. And that word is grace, a five-letter word that we have no record of Jesus ever uttering, but one that he embodied on an almost daily basis. One autumn in mid-20th century Europe, a conference of comparative religion scholars was meeting when the great C.S. Lewis entered the room during that conversation. When asked what he believed was Christianity's unique contribution among world religions, C.S. Lewis responded, oh, that's easy, it's grace. Most of us spend most of our lives trying to receive grace or appreciate its presence in our lives, as the case may be. Well, today, when you hear me read from the Apostle Paul, I want you to listen closely for one verse, and this is it. By the grace of God, I am what I am, says Paul. Now, part of understanding what that means is going to require an appreciation for how far Paul had come on his journey toward faith. 
But more on that in a moment after we hear 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, beginning at the third verse. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, says Paul, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And God's grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God within me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. Well, now some thoughts on Paul's understanding of grace. So take a listen. Well, the other night at church here, there were a few of us sitting around talking about Desmond Tutu, a name familiar to many of you, if not all of you, Archbishop nicknamed the Arch. People call him the Arch. Uh, Desmond Tutu died the day after Christmas at the age of 90. And uh, he was a global spokesperson for all kinds of issues, so he became most famous for his anti-apartheid work in South Africa in the 1980s. And uh, wherever he went, this little five-foot-four-inch archbishop would bounce on his feet. He had this high-pitched laugh and affectionate way of talking and um, endeared himself to the world over, receiving the Nobel Peace Prize in 1984. Well, one time, Desmond Tutu was preaching at Duke Chapel in Durham, North Carolina. And in this sermon that he preached, he talked about the ways in which Christians have distorted the parable of the lost sheep. You know the parable of the lost sheep, or if you don't, it's a hundred sheep. One wanders off, and the shepherd decides instead of tending to the 99, he's going to go seek the lost one and bring it back. Well, according to Desmond Tutu, as he said in this sermon, in our religious art, which there's a lot of, we have depicted Jesus as the good shepherd carrying this nice, fluffy, docile little lamb. He said that's exactly wrong. Little lambs do not stray from their mommies, was his word. If anyone strays, it's an old recalcitrant lamb, ram. And what Tutu said is, uh, we need a corrective here. In fact, if you have an illustrated Bible, he recommended, and it has Jesus with a fluffy little docile little lamb in his arms, tear that page out of your Bible. Because it's a recalcitrant old ram that the shepherd went after and uh, left the perfectly good 99 others behind. And when he finds this sheep or this ram, as Tutu went on to surmise, it had been through a fence, it had torn its fleece, it had fallen into a muddy ditch, 
And so essentially the sheep that was found was smelly, it was unattractive, it was ugly. But the shepherd takes it in his arms or on his shoulder, brings it home, throws this grand party and says, the lost has been found. Well, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he describes his life just like this. He has been rescued. He has been saved. He has been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because by his own account, Paul was a pain in the ass. He was a contemptible jerk. He was a murderous individual who would pursue believing people and persecute or kill them. That wasn't only problems with Paul. He wasn't exactly endearing to other people. Evidently, he was something less than handsome. He had all kinds of maladies, some significant ones uh, that we don't exactly know the extent of, but it was certainly more than bad breath. And yet, it was Jesus who transformed the life of this wretched one and gave him something new. The passage I read says he met Jesus. Well, scholars doubt that he ever met Jesus of Nazareth in flesh and blood, just because of timing and age and all the rest. But Paul most certainly had encounters with Christ, some kind of experience, some kind of vision perhaps of the glorious, exalted, risen Christ that can't be denied. So it's in this letter that he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And it's God's grace that has been shown to me that has not gone to waste. When you hear that phrase, uh, I am what I am, there's one way to interpret it, or a common way that you have either heard or you have perhaps yourself used. And here I want you to think of maybe a, a couple that's got in a feisty argument, or somebody that's challenging you or disregarding you or sizing you up. I am what I am, you might say. In other words, what you see is what you get. Or, I don't really care what you think of me. I am what I am. Or, I'm not going to change. So whatever you're looking for, don't expect that I'm going to satisfy you. I have no desire to be different. I am what I am. And you can love me as I am, or you can get lost. That's what I have to say. That's normally what we think of when we hear that phrase, I am what I am. Paul uses it in exact opposite fashion. He says, hey, what I am is entirely by the grace of God. And if you think there's any way in which God's grace was possibly wasted on a wretch like me, well, think again, because my life has been transformed. Now, I, I don't know if this is obvious to you or not about Christianity, but at the time of Jesus' ministry, the more morally offensive a person was, the more of a social outcast they may have been, the more disreputable an individual was, the more Jesus seemed to be attracted to them. Why was this? I suspect, and that's all I can do is suspect, because he felt he could make a difference with these ones. 
If you were to plot a chart or make a graph of all the people Jesus encountered in his ministry, what you would find is a long list of disreputable people, people on the margins, the uncouth, the morally reprehensible, the socially outcast, a leprous beggar, the prodigal son, a Samaritan woman who, who may have failed numerous times in marriage, Peter, who denied and was essentially a traitor when it came to Jesus, Paul, the wretch we're focused on today. Interestingly enough, it's the upright people, it's the respectable people, it's even the godly people that present the most challenge to Jesus. These are the ones that had him arrested. So what I want to say is that I think God goes to great pains to identify with unqualified people. Because if you're unqualified, you kind of know how wretched you are. And then you realize that you can only become somebody, you can only accomplish something, at least something new, if it happens by the grace of God. If you think you're qualified, you might come to believe that, you know, the good job that you always do, it's all entirely you. Now, one of my favorite images for depicting this is um, a cartoon from Dennis the Menace. And if you are old enough to remember this strip, I don't even know if it's still in, but Dennis was constantly a menace to his next-door neighbors, Mr. and Mrs. Wilson. And no matter all of the dast- what the dastardly things were that Dennis did, Mrs. Wilson was uh, unceasingly gracious. She was constantly kind. One day, Dennis walks out of Mrs. Wilson's house with his pal Joey, and they're carrying this huge plate of homemade cookies. And Joey turns to Dennis, and he says, I wonder what we did to deserve this. And Dennis turns to him and says, look, Joey, Mrs. Wilson gives us cookies not because we're nice, but because she's nice. That is, in short, the summary of uh, the gospel. The key to understanding the Christian faith is recognizing that we are what we are by the grace of God. And like Paul, we're probably all in much worse shape than we believe we are. And we are all loved more unconditionally than we can possibly imagine. God didn't love Paul because he was a jerk. God didn't love Jacob because he was a cheat. God didn't love David because he was an adulterer. God loved Paul because he was Paul. And he loved Jacob because he was Jacob. And he loved David because he was David. And he loves you and me because we are who we are. The gospel of Jesus Christ has nothing to do with your own goodness, except as a byproduct. Faith really has nothing to do with any of our trying to become radiant and salty individuals on our own. The life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that's the method by which God deals in love. That's the means, this Jesus figure, that's the means by which God helps us get beyond thinking only of what we deserve. 
or only what we've earned. So let me tell you for a moment about Dorothy Day, this, uh, whom some of you may know. We, we aired a, a documentary on her last year here at St. Paul. And she was a Catholic worker, a, a radical uh, Christian in her time of the 50s and 60s. And she established the Catholic Worker House concept in New York City, which was like an oasis for the down and the out. Uh, she opened these homes in uh, poor neighborhoods of uh, New York City, and that's where, in fact, uh, they welcome people off the streets. One time, Dorothy Day even described what kind of people come to a Catholic worker house. She said, gray people, the color of lifeless trees and bushes and winter soil. She said, these are people who had in them none of the green of hope, none of the rising sap of faith. Well, one day, a wealthy socialite, New Yorker, pulls up in her fancy car, and she's heard of this ministry. She wants to know about this ministry, and it's Dorothy Day who gives her a private tour of the Catholic worker house. And they hit it off. They have a good uh, conversation. This woman wants to support this ministry. In fact, when she's walking to her car, she takes this large diamond ring off of her finger, and she gives it to Dorothy Day. And when the staff heard about this, they were ecstatic because you sell this ring and you actually might relieve some pressure on an already pressurized budget and help the fundraising task of such an organization. A couple of days later, the staff sees this client walking out of the worker house with that diamond ring on her finger. And they'd come to know her. She had scrapes with the law. They believed they actually helped her out of prostitution. And now she's walking out with this diamond ring. So why in heaven's name, these colleagues of Dorothy wanted to know, would she give away such a valuable piece of jewelry? Said Dorothy, well, the woman was admiring the ring. She thought it was beautiful. So I gave it to her. Do you think, said Dorothy Day, do you think that God made diamonds just for the rich? That was Dorothy Day's way of challenging that we just get what we deserve. Or we just get what we earn, and that constitutes the goodness of life. Of all the religions in the world, there is none quite like Christianity that underscores the unconditional love of God. There are no strings attached. No if you do this, if you do that. There's no qualifications required. There's no conditions that are laid down. There are plenty of other faiths that... that are structured in such a way that you really get the impression what you deserve is what you've earned. But the Christian faith isn't like that at all. I am what I am, says Paul, by the grace of God. And grace is what dawns on you when you finally recognize that your past is not going to catch up with you. And this is where Paul found himself, wretched though he was he realized that his, faith, that his past was not going to catch up with him. And so he says, I am, I get to be who I get to be, unfit as I was. I get to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ because by the grace of God, I am. We're probably all in worse shape than we can even imagine. 
but we are also more loved than we can possibly believe. It's not that you and I are full of goodness so much as God is full of the goodness. Amen. join me in praying the prayer that our Lord has taught us as we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So here's a closing thought or two for your week. Remember, we're all probably in worse shape with respect to the character of our lives than we probably believe and more loved than we can possibly imagine. Our lives are beautiful, let's recall, not so much because we're good, but because God is good. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.